0: The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, "'Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound.' Then the older brother became angry and refused to go in." his father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you've never given me even a young goat so I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, Son, you were always with me, and that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I had you smile at first so I could ask you this question: Do we serve? a stingy and joyless God? Are you sure? Let's, let's ask it. Do we serve a stingy and joyless God? How do we know that? Do we serve a God revealed to us in Jesus Christ that we think is harsh and judgmental? I would hope not. I would hope that our idea of God is not that God is stingy and joyless. But for these religious elite of Jesus' day, that's apparently exactly what they thought of God. They saw Jesus with sinners coming to Him and eating with Him And thought it was a bad thing. Something that he shouldn't be doing. And I guess in truth, classically when Christians have heard these three parables that Jesus told in response to them, we focused on the lost sheep. How did it get lost? What was it doing? Why wasn't it dead already? Who wasn't looking after it? John, is that your fault? Right? Or the lost coin. Where was it? What was going on? We focus that it's lost. We focus on it so much that as when people started putting little titles in your Bibles, they've called it the parable of the lost coin or they called it the parable of the prodigal and his brother or they called it the parable of the lost sheep and focused on the negative. So much that we've gotten to the point that what we see is the negative. When we hear these stories, we remiss the rejoicing. When we hear the story of this son who was prodigal, it's easy to get caught up in all the things he was doing wrong and to think that he deserves whatever happened to him. Often when we use this parable, we hold it up to people who are walking down the wrong road. We'll say to them, remember that son? Remember the one who went out and lived like you're thinking about living, how miserable he was, how horrible his life became? And we hold it up as a foil to people who are thinking about chasing after their own understanding of the world. Or we hold it up to our children as a warning, ignoring the rejoicing of the Father at the end. We focus on the negative of it. These last three Sundays of Lent, we've talked about temptation, about sin, and about the availability of God's help and God's shelter in those moments when we're tempted. We know that life is open-ended, that life is always unfolding, and seldom where our problems or our insecurities will be resolved. There will not be a day where we feel strong enough to handle everything that life throws our way, whether it's problems or temptations that we will face. The day will not come when we feel like we have it so together in our faith that we can stand in front of temptation and say, you have no power over me. Life is open-ended that way. And just when we think we've got everything figured out, life will throw a monkey wrench into the midst of us. We are continuously beset by temptation that is ever-present and the threat of sin that is always seeking to lure us into destruction. Temptation, and unfortunately, even for us Christians, sin are ever-present. That's on the one hand. But on the other hand, God's mercy is also ever-present. That's what we're to learn from these parables. That's what we're to learn from Jesus eating with sinners. That God's mercy is always available to us. And not just for those who have it all together. those tax collectors and sinners were listening to Jesus. They were coming and eating with Him. You would think people would have thought that was a good thing. But instead, they grumbled in their hearts. And their grumbling caused Jesus to tell this parable that we love so much. This parable about a wayward son welcomed home by His Father. Because in Jesus, God was welcoming home each of us. Calling us to him to come and eat with him. The son treated his father like he was already dead. Give me my inheritance, he said. But then one day he came to his senses and realized that even the slaves in his father's house had food to eat. But we're not told that he had suddenly decided to repent of all that he had done. We're just told that he devised a clever story to try to get his dad to hire him on as help, to let him live as one of his servants. We're not told that he has a deep sense of repentance in his heart. We're not told that he's ready to come home and confess his sin to his father and seek forgiveness. We're just told that he's searching for a way to get his belly filled. Maybe in some ways he's just like all those sinners and tax collectors who were gathering around the table with Jesus when the Pharisees were griping. Maybe he's just like us gathering around this table today in deep need of God's mercy and deep need of God's grace. And what do we learn from Jesus? We learn that our Father is watching and waiting for us. And that before we might even get it out of our words, I repent, I'm sorry, I need your help. Whatever you would come and say, that before you would even get that out of your words, your Father will spring from the porch and meet you where you stand. Come to you, wrap His arms around you, love you, kiss you, put a robe on you, put shoes on your feet. And restore your dignity as His Son and His daughter. This parable is not about the prodigal son. It's about a lavish father. It's about a father so filled with grace and mercy that he doesn't see the wrong his son has done to him. He just sees the son that he loves. He doesn't see the sin of his son. He just sees the son that he loves. By eating with those sinners, Jesus demonstrated without question His receptance of them, His acceptance of them, including all of us today. We should rejoice that Jesus ate with sinners and welcomed them at His table. Because we are sinners come today to the table of Christ. People who need to be received and accepted. And here's my assurance to you, dear ones. Your Father in heaven sees you coming. He sees you. He is filled with compassion for you. Runs to you to enfold you in the wings of His loving care, just as that mother hen longed to cover those baby chicks. Our Father desires to embrace us in His eternal love today. That should cause us to smile. It should cause us to feel joy. These are stories of rejoicing. Temptation and sin are ever with us. They're ever working against us. But on the other hand, God's mercy is always available to us. And God's love is ever present for us. What does this story teach us? Do you think it teaches us that we serve a stingy and joyless God? Or a God who is lavish with grace? and desires to rejoice over us? Does it teach us that we serve a harsh and judgmental God? Or a God who invites us sinners to His table? A table of grace and mercy where we can receive our life back and have our dignity restored. Where the works of sin can be erased in us. And we can feel human again. Do we serve a stingy God? A joyless God? I invite you to answer that story in your hearts today as you come to this table that Christ has prepared in our midst. A table of welcoming and acceptance. A table of mercy and grace. And know that your Father sees you coming. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.